and welcome to this edition of Wait a Week Mystery. I'm your host and author, J.C. Bodden. In this week's podcast, I'll be sharing with you the next chapter from my novel, Someone to Watch Over Me, copyright 2007. This book is the first in the Devlin O'Quinn mystery series, and it tells the story of Devlin's daughter, Jenny, who has taken a job on campus as a dorm resident advisor while she works on her graduate degree. If you like what you hear and can't wait a week for the next installment, Someone to Watch Over Me, as well as the other three books in the Devlin O'Quinn series, is available in both Kindle and paperback format from Amazon. You can check out my website, jcbodden.com, that's J-C-B-O-D-D-E-N.com, for more information and the link to my Amazon page. Now, I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Here we go with episode 106, Someone to Watch Over Me, chapter 6, Detective Work. Jenny's story. After class and before I had to go to the lab, I went to see my dad. He had a knack for solving crimes quickly and efficiently and had worked his way up through the ranks of the city police department and was now lead detective. Few things missed his notice. Even fewer things surprised him. This morning, however, he seemed surprised to see me standing in the doorway to his office. Hey, baby, what are you doing here? Hey, dad, good to see you too. I sat on the edge of his desk, next to his lunch. Sorry, sweetie. I'm glad to see you, of course. He wiped his mouth and stood to give my cheek a peck. It's been a while since you've popped in for a visit. I stole a couple of chips from his lunch and crunched them loudly. I wanted to talk to you. You have a minute? He glanced at his watch. I'm due to testify in court after lunch, but I've got a bit. What's up? He settled back in his desk chair and propped his feet on the desk beside me. One thing about my dad, he always has time for me. I explained everything, starting with the mysterious stranger asking about me, the man in the lobby after hours, and finished with the water heater incident. He thought for a moment. Was it all the same guy? That's why I'm here. I wanted to see what you thought. I crunched more chips. Well, it's certainly possible that it was two different men, someone looking for you and a boyfriend of one of the residents that stayed past curfew. We could dust the locks and valves in the boiler room for prints, even though you probably smudged any that were there. That's what I thought you'd say. I guess I just wanted some reassurance. I wiped my hands and tossed the empty bag of chips in the trash can. I'll call Charlie McKinney, chief of campus security, and ask him to send someone over. He sat up and scribbled a sticky note, then plastered it on his computer monitor. Hey, don't you have to get to court? He glanced again at his watch. Yeah, listen, keep me in on this. We walked out together. Guess who it was that turned the boilers back on? Joe, you know, Aunt Tilly and Uncle Millie's Joe. Hmm, and everything is okay now? Yep, plenty of hot water. Joe's story. The officer drove the boy back to the station house, where the cops fed him a hamburger and fries and let him sit at their desks and were incredibly nice to him. They tried to make him as comfortable as possible, but they weren't sure what to make of him. He said nothing. After a while, the red-headed man came and took him into a small room with a table and two chairs. He sat a soft drink and a bag of cookies on the table and motioned to the child to sit down. The man sat down beside him. Son, my name is Detective O'Quinn, he said, but the boy was too busy eating to notice that the man was talking. He didn't respond in any way. The detective touched the child's arm and repeated himself. I'm Detective O'Quinn. 
The child stopped eating and looked at the man with solemn eyes. Devlin continued, Do you know what happened today while you were at school? The child looked down at his shoes, and a deep blush ran across his neck. Then he looked back at the detective and shrugged his shoulders. Your mom was killed. I'm really sorry about that. I really am. The child looked at Devlin with such forlorn blue eyes that the older man wondered if he would be able to continue. His voice cracked as he said, We're, we're going to make sure you're taken care of, all right? Don't you worry about a thing. Eat your cookies now. He patted the child's back and stood to leave. He turned just as he reached the door. Do you know where your daddy is, son? He said to the back of the child's head. There was no response. Back in the detective office was Tina Parsons, the social worker who had come for the boy. Where's he going? asked Evelyn. We're working on getting him a spot at Twin Oaks Farm, but for now he'll have to go to a group foster home here in town. We're still working on trying to locate next of kin. I'll call and see if I can help out with that Twin Oaks placement, Devlin said. My sister-in-law and her husband are house parents there. Thanks, detective, the social worker smiled as she stuffed a file into her bag. That would be great. The farm is full right now, but there'll be an opening in a couple of months. That is, if we don't locate his biological father first. Detective O'Quinn and the social worker went back to the interrogation room for the youngster. Okay, my man, you're going to go with Miss Parsons here. She's going to get you set up to, with a nice place to stay. He squeezed the child's shoulder. You'll like it there. He nodded encouragingly at the child, who looked up at him and then at Tina Parsons questioningly. Devlin walked the two of them out of the station, the child clutching the soda and half-eaten bag of cookies to his chest. As he returned to his desk, Danny, the veteran detective on the force, asked, You all right, Dev? He's about the same age as my daughter, he answered as he ran his fingers through his hair. I wish I could do more for him. You can, said the older cop. Now the bastard who killed his mom. The child followed the social worker out of the station and dutifully sat in her car as she drove him across town to the group home. It was a drab house with only a bare bulb por porch light on the outside. Inside there was a haggard-looking woman in a dingy pink robe who took him upstairs and motioned in silence for him to climb into bed beside a sleeping boy. After she closed the door and her heavy tread had faded on the stairs, the sleeping boy rolled over and sat up in the bed. I'm Travis. I'm seven. The newcomer looked at Travis and then nodded. He rolled over and closed his eyes. He stayed in this group facility for the next six months. This concludes this week's chapter of Someone to Watch Over Me. Thanks for listening. To find out what happens next, please come back for the episode 107 of Wait a Week Mystery or visit jcbodden.com to just go ahead and order the book. Either way, I hope your wait is a happy one. <laughs>